0: The last thing an an employee would want to hear from his employer is, hey, I don't need you to come to work, and why don't you move to Austin, Texas?
1: This is Durable Value. Get investing and business insights from industry experts and successful entrepreneurs every week. Like and subscribe now. Welcome. Uh, Today we're going to talk about what we see as the outpost economy. This is a hub and spoke trend that we're seeing with companies, especially as employees are leaving primary markets and going into secondary markets, and we're going to talk about what's prompting that. Uh, we're going to see it from the employee side, the employer side, and from the real estate side. So what's interesting about this is I
0: think we all have seen this, I don't want to say exodus, but we have seen a, a movement out of primary markets. Um, we, I, we like to call that the untethering. So all of a sudden, these employees who um, before were told come to work every day, report to the office and so you could only live so far away, all of a sudden they said, no, work remotely, Yeah, disperse. And uh, we've all seen this trend, but what does that mean? What does it mean for the future of work? What does it mean for the future of this work-life balance? Um, I, I think with COVID, all of us have reflected a little more on what's important to us, what, right. w-
1: what's meaningful. Well, It's kind of like an American theme, being in search of a better life or in search of a better opportunity uh, it turns out about 30 million Americans move every year. But this year, it's different. Millions and millions of uh, executives and, and senior level people have moved. And that's, uh, that's very un- unusual. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? Uh, well, so for, first of all, for the
0: employee, uh, all of a sudden, your employer has said, instead of, I need you at work every day, they've said, oh, no, 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 don't come to work. Yeah. And so some employees have taken this opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe I don't want to live in this geography. Maybe cost of living is too much. Maybe my commute time has worn on me. Whatever the case may be, now I can go live at Lake Tahoe or I can live in Boise, Idaho, or I can live Salt Lake City, wherever I want to, and still have an ability to to work for the company. But it's not perfect, right? You know, At the end of the day, employers still
1: have to say, is this a good equation for me? Well, a lot of these people are millennials that uh, maybe are from somewhere else and have come to uh, large urban areas, but now are thinking of getting married or starting families or imagining a life like they grew up with that's less urban. And that's drawing them to uh, other locations and and greater lifestyles. So at some point, uh, employers start readjusting.
0: And that's really kind of what we're talking about is What does the new work dynamic look like now that people have dispersed out or some number of people have dispersed out into these secondary
1: markets? Well, this was happening pre-COVID. There's all those stories about Amazon's HQ2 and uh, Google's had this and Apple's had this and a bunch of companies have had other locations. But now there's this pressure for companies to follow their workforce, almost to create a menu for them, uh, to create uh, remote work locations, to... Work from home sometimes to work at headquarters sometimes, and so the question for both employers and employees is: How does this shake out? What's the what's the shift? What's the mix a year from now? Five years from now? And I think you, you mentioned in a Wall Street
0: Journal article that the last thing an employer an employee would want to hear from his employer is: "Hey, I don't need you to come to work, and why don't you move to Austin, Texas?" But now all of a sudden, uh, employers are recognizing there's economic value in that equation. Yeah. I can have an employee that lives at a, in a lower cost of living. They have a better lifestyle than they did living in a more expensive area. And I also see a benefit because I'm, I'm working
1: with a lower cost structure as well. I think employers have seen the upside on this, which is there is a strong ability to save money. They, this wasn't probably their idea. Uh, they are, they've had to react to a large part of their workforce. Uh, be wanting to be in another location. But I think at some point, they began to say, hmm, one of our largest costs is, is staff, is our team, is talent. Uh, some of our largest costs are real estate. How can this work in a way that both works for us and works for them? And in, in, a, in a, a place like Silicon Valley where talent commands very high wages, uh, now employers have the option to say, well, some of our people are gonna work from home our best talent, they might wanna work from an island somewhere and that works fine for us. Other people, we might have a Nashville headquarters and we'll be able to draw from a talent pool there um, and we'll have a headquarters location. And so it'll be finding the right employees in the right spot uh, so that their, their cost uh, is a value relative to the, what they produce. And this is the outpost
0: economy. This is this idea that uh, instead of one campus, you know, the Apple campus, for instance, instead of one campus, all of a sudden, employers are recognizing that I can have a small campus here, I can have a small campus here. And again, this is not a new trend, but what has happened is as employees have dispersed out, it made it all the more compelling to have those small campuses in other locations
1: and disperse the the headquarters. So I think this is a win for all parties. This is sort of a both and thing. Um, At the moment, we're seeing disruption. Primary markets uh, have significantly increased sublease space. Uh, there's increased vacancy, but I don't think it's permanent. I think that uh, companies develop outpost opportunities, uh, but they're they're growing. Companies are innovating and growing, and I suspect that their headquarters will continue to grow as well. I know those buildings will be occupied two, three, five years from now. The interesting part is seeing what happens between now and then. But I think ultimately the buildings are full and uh, outpost buildings are full and on in the outpost location that probably means development and in the primary market locations that probably means a 10 12% reduction in in rental rates but there's an equilibrium there that's being found not yet but it's starting absolutely
0: so one of the other ideas is this idea of hyperlocal and hyperglobal and the outpost economy accomplishes that because on the one hand it's hyperglobal because we are now connected In a deeper way than we were before, we've all become more accustomed to Zoom meetings, to other ways of interacting besides in-person. But then it's also hyper-local in the sense that instead of just these primary markets being the place of choice for people to go to, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden this untethering opens up Tucson, Arizona, and uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, and all these smaller markets that otherwise would not have been attractants to people who are highly professional or
1: highly skilled because the skill set wasn't available there and now they can. So you layer on the slide that we showed earlier today, which is that um, highly efficient, high culture, high innovation companies, their workforces want to be in the office and the employers want to have them in the office because that's where culture and innovation and efficiency thrive. (laughs) Dogs aren't barking, you know, Tasks aren't need to be done. There's not outside influence. You are in the zone of, of accomplishing you know, value-add at that company. But companies that have poor corporate cultures, lower efficiency, uh, lower innovation, their employees tend to want to work from home. So I think that's part of what we're going to see play out here that's layered on top of that. In these markets where, that are recipients of these transplants,
0: corporations are going to be looking at how do we set up our satellite office there? How do we create that office environment that is effective and productive. Now that there's a,
1: I guess, a critical mass of employees in that area yeah. to be able to do that. But it gives them more parts. To, it's almost like a Lego set. You, you've got you need to find exactly that right chemistry for a headquarters, outposts, mm-hmm. work from homes, globals. You know, salespeople out and about. Like there's an exact right mix for that. And that hasn't been fully discovered yet. That's being reinvented uh, as we speak. Yeah, and I think maybe a, a
0: last side note is the, this is truly centered around cities that offer quality of life. So the, the biggest beneficiaries of this outpost economy where there's a critical mass of people that have transplanted there are going to be cities that offer a high quality of life. That's because this trend that we're seeing is a trend of employees opting for a new location, yeah. not employers and employers responding to that. So I think an opportunity for cities is also to ask yourself, what are we doing to create a quality of life that isn't attractant to these employees?
1: Yeah. Really, this is a, a discussion of network or networking in that cities uh, are largely cities because they're a giant network of talent, talented people in the same spot with amenities and efficiencies and resources uh, and the ability to collaborate. And that that traditionally has been what makes cities Grow and prosper, and why people come to cities. With this dispersion, the network has been scrambled a little bit. There's pieces of, of the network that are now in different spots, and some of those are going to grow and thrive, and some of those are going to be challenged and, and not make it. But it'll be it'll be a little bit different than than it is. I think that um, I think overall this bodes well for for the world and for the American economy, and that uh, it, it gives more people more opportunity to participate in primary market activities. And overall, I think that'll make America uh, more productive and successful.
0: It's the new American frontier, the outpost economy.
1: Thank you for listening to Durable Value, an investor's podcast, where we demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit crusadapartners.com where you'll find more information, investors' tools, case studies, and more. This podcast is hosted by Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela. It's produced, edited, and mixed by Melodic, with intro music by Ian Post. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.